Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys, and welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with entrepreneur, educator, and author, Katherine Alford. I absolutely loved this conversation. Kat is so authentic and honest and is not afraid to talk about all the messiness of being a mom and juggling all the pressures and let's face it, the reality, right? And she's also hilarious, which you will see in the conversation. I could have honestly talked to her for hours. We go deep into some of those topics that may seem surface level, but are so important to dive into as moms and as people who just want to have a healthy relationship with our money. And that's honestly one of my favorite things to do is to go deep on some of those surface level topics. So who is Kat? Catherine Alford is a nationally recognized financial educator who started her business with a $10 domain name and grew it into a multifaceted six-figure digital media company. She's the creator of CatherineAlford.com, the co-founder of MillennialHomeowner.com, and the author of the book Mom's Got Money, A Millennial Mom's Guide to Managing Money Like a Boss. Through her work, she offers a suite of digital products and services, including financial writing, public speaking, and influencer marketing, all with the goal of helping women become more financially confident. Love it. Over the years, her writing and expertise has been featured in dozens of media outlets, including Good Morning America, Yahoo Finance, Forbes, U.S. News and World Report, Real Simple, The Huffington Post, Kiplinger, Investopedia, Business Insider, and many more. She currently lives just outside of Detroit, Michigan with her boy-girl twins and two rescue dogs named Julep and Shadow. And in our conversation today, we talk about the very unique issues that millennial parents deal with that no other generation of parents have, the impact of social media and this comparison culture that we live in, being okay with who we are and developing this acceptance as we go into motherhood, the mixed feelings about being a breadwinner and so much more. You guys can find Kat on Instagram at Moms Got Money. You can check out her website, momsgotmoney.com. You can also find her book. Uh, as I just said, Moms Got Money, A Millennial Mom's Guide to Managing Money Like a Boss. You can find that anywhere books are sold. She also has a Moms Got Money club where every month she does a live call where there's conversations going on just like this one um, about all the juicy stuff that we don't really talk a lot about but it's also so incredibly important in our lives. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes as well so you guys have them. I'm really excited. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the incredible Kat Alford. Enjoy, you guys. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. I'm really, really excited for this conversation. Well, thanks for inviting me. I was happy to get your message and happy to be on today. Thank you. So... I'm a millennial mom who is obsessed with educating and empowering women to have confidence around their money. 
you are also a millennium mom who's obsessed with educating and empowering women. So we already That's why have, we just became besties, I think. Yes, yeah. We have an awful lot in common. So with that, I would love to start by having you talk about tell us your story. Tell us how you got into this kind of work and what you're doing now to help moms in particular. Sure. Well, I um, I came about this line of work in a really strange way. I actually went to school for history and went to graduate school for history, thought I was going to teach and work in museums. But when I was in graduate school, I started a blog about how broke I was in graduate school. And so I would share like my thrift store adventures and the, all the strange things I did with my $11,000 a year teaching stipend. And it started from there. It was sort of before a lot of people had blogs. So however it worked out, um, it, it grew in popularity. People enjoyed the way that I spoke about money and my life and enjoyed following the adventures. Uh, over time, I started supplementing my income by freelance writing. And because all of my articles were about budgeting and how I saved money, I started to pitch budget blogs, financial websites. And I started writing for like $8 an article. And I was thrilled. I was like, I am a real writer. This is legit. Grad <laughs> school is, was intense and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of bland. So I'd come home every day and write like fun articles. Um, you know, that was 12 years ago. So it's grown a lot over time. People would email me and say, well, I really liked the way that you wrote about that. Can you write this article on mortgages? And I, in my you know 22-year-old wisdom, knew nothing about it, but I'd say, sure, because I was a historian. I knew how to research. I knew I could like put it together. And um, yeah, it just blossomed from there. So these days um, I have a business. It's sort of split in two. Half of it is I own five websites with a business partner. That's sort of growing passive income streams, creating content, a lot about money, and the other half is I'm still freelance writing, um, have a membership group for moms, wrote a book in 2021. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different pieces to it, um, but still self-employed, still hanging in there. And uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. Awesome. I definitely want to get into the book. Yeah. So, so let's start there. So the book is Mom's Got Money, mm -hmm. a millennial mom's guide to managing money like a boss. What made you want to write this book? And I'm assuming you were doing it for the millennial audience. Yes. You were going through that at the same time. But I'd love to talk a little bit more about kind of the uniqueness of the millennial generation and what we're going through as well. For sure. I I mean, in order to get the book deal, that was a, that was a four-year process in itself. And so I wanted to write a book for moms badly. At first, I wanted to write a book to teach moms how to do uh, start their own business um, so they could have some flexibility with their time and their kids, um, because that was my goal initially to start um, creating income on my own. Lots of pushback, lots of publisher rejections, lots of revisions. I really stayed true to wanting the book for moms. Like I almost got a book deal two years into it from a publisher that said, well, if you write it for all women, we could maybe work out something, but like I, I stayed true to the vision and a lot of roadblocks. So in the end, I did get to write the book I wanted to write because we are in a unique position as millennial moms. There's 9 million of us and there's no other generation that 
feels the pinch that we are feeling right now. Yeah. So our parents are getting older and we still have student loans just on average across the board. We've got kids now, got houses we want to buy, trips we want to take. So we're trying to create this amazing life for our kids, but there's a lot of consumer spending. There's There's been lots in the last year, the pandemic, parenting, changes uh, with the Me Too movement, lots of um, you know language about female empowerment while our reality has been really different during the pandemic year. So it was sort of like a little time machine back. And I wrote the book during the pandemic while doing kindergarten Zoom. And uh, <laughs> this is the result of it. But yeah, I, I think our generation, I think it deserved a book because of all the yeah. different issues that we specifically experience. I agree a thousand percent. I'm 39 and my generation, we are very unique in that we grew up with and without the internet, right? Correct. So yes. I think we have a, we remember, you know, my way of thinking about like explaining things to kids is like, well, I remember when we didn't have Netflix and we didn't have, we couldn't just right. pick a show we wanted out of the blue no. and learn all the time. We had to wait on Saturday mornings for Garfield and friends to come on at 8.30. And that was it. We got like our half hour of a show. We had AIM Messenger time slots, people. You can't both be on AIM Messenger at the same time. You got to take turns at that computer. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think the message here is that we want our kids to know that there was life before that, right? And yet we also, at the same time, I think gets sucked into this whole social media thing as well, which for moms in particular, I think it can be very dangerous because of the whole cultural expectation. And I know I personally have struggled with that. And, you know, the, the carousel the keeping up with the Joneses, the seeing that everybody else is taking their kids on this fancy vacation, or they have the latest, whatever technology or stuff that the, the kids want. And you compare, right? And so there is a huge, huge, I think, knowledge around that awareness and mindset shift that we all need to be aware of. I'd love to get your thoughts on that too. Oh, 100%. Never before have we been able to see so much of what other people do and through a very specific filtered lens when our parents had friends, right? If they'd come over and they wanted to tell you about, you know, their trip to Paris, they would like bring over like a stack of printed pictures. Right. I'll give you like a little CD. So tell you about their trip, show all the weird pictures. We've never been in a scenario where we get to see everything people want us to see. And none of the gnarly parts, none of the gnarly and, parts. And not only that, I think the access to social media, it makes it seem like we have the option to be best friends with celebrities or something, right? So not only are we comparing each other to everybody else, but we're comparing ourselves to Kylie with Jenner vastly different situations. All, all these people out there. So we can see how they function every day. And I feel like it just, it does a disservice to us because we think that we can do the same thing when- Maybe we can't, or <laughs> maybe we don't really people, want to. People have vastly different situations. This is something I'm always telling my kids when they ask me about different friends and things like that. And things like yesterday, they didn't want to go to piano lessons. They were, they were, they had a lot of feelings about it. And I said, guys, going to music lessons is a privilege. None of 
everybody has a piano in their house. And mm-hmm. I know you don't want to go today and I know you're tired, but um, this is a, a nice, this is part of your education. This is a gift. Okay. I know you don't want to go today, but when you get down to it, you guys actually like it, but it's just not something to complain about. Um, so I try to give them the perspective that not everyone's as lucky as you, but at the same time, when they mentioned friends or where their friends went, everybody's in a different situation. We don't know whether people on social media are buying their lifestyles on credit, whether they have uh, vast amounts of of quiet family wealth that we don't know about, um, or what has happened in their life situation to create that. So I, it's it's been a lot, but I I try to share all the parts on social media, and I talked a lot about real life in my book. I had a really honest chapter on postpartum depression in there. I I tried to show moms like, look, yeah, I wrote the book, but all of these things that I experienced, all these things that affect money, all these things that affect your willingness to get up every day and like get stuff done, do the tasks. Like we all struggle with it. It's just some people share and some people don't. And I try to remember that when going through social media. That's such a good point. And that was one of the reasons why, again, I started my podcast because I wanted to, first of all, go through kind of this journey and the struggle with money that I was having myself, because this was during the pandemic and I was online shopping like crazy. And I was spending money to try to essentially fix myself because in my mind, there was something wrong with me. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was, had the right intentions, right. I wanted to feel better. But I wasn't really getting to the point of, I I don't, I was, I was surface level working on this. I wasn't getting to the underlying reason because in my mind, I always, I I believe now after going through kind of the last two years and having some, a little more self-awareness that I did back then, I realized that it's not about the thing. It's not about the headband. It's not about the shoes. It's about the feeling underneath the thing. How, what is the feeling that those shoes give you? How do you feel when you wear them? And if they're a very, you know, maybe fashionable or like yeah. a brand or something like that, you, f- maybe you feel extra confident, but why is it that that item has to bring you that confidence and that you couldn't feel otherwise? Right. right. So I will say that we both have pretty great headbands on right now just for people, you know, <laughs> who, who aren't on video. I just want to say that we're pro headband on this call. Appreciate it. I am side note on headbands. I'm a <laughs> headband fan. I wear a headband. I've got my like workout headbands. I've got my everyday headband. I have a different I'm option busy. right here. Oh, look at that one. I, I know it's, you know, like I said, we're already at bestie status, but, <laughs> but the thing about what you're saying is, you know, what I've learned is that it's easy. Um, and there's so much research on dopamine, right? And so we were craving these dopamine hits, scrolling on social media is a dopamine hit, um, you know, buying something off offline is a dopamine hit, um, adding to our what seems to be a vast headband collection dopamine hit. But what you're talking about real genuine change, like the long term dopamine, you have to do like the really gnarly work to get there. And that's it's, uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. It. And it's so painful. That's the therapy. That's the journaling. That's the admitting to your closest friends, like, like I'm struggling too. You seem like you have it together, friend, but yeah, I feel like I I am struggling. And it's in the vulnerability that we make the connections and realize we're not alone. But it's hard yeah. to do. 
Well, that's exactly it. The other piece to this during this time for me, when I started the podcast was I felt so incredibly alone. And I yeah. think a lot of that was because physically we literally couldn't see, yes. each other. but I mean, I felt like I was the only one going through what I'm going through. Like I said, my, during this period of time, my husband lost a few jobs in a row yeah. and I felt like, you know, here I am stuck in my house, looking outside at the neighbors and seeing like them it, to me, I held everybody else up on a pedestal. Yeah. All my neighbors just seem like the best parents. I gotta say they're really <laughs> outside a lot. <laughs> it's just like, and they seem like they have it together. And I, I, I've done a whole episode on that concept of like having it together. And like, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. And, um, it's just taken me a while, I think, to get to the point where I'm at right now, where yeah. I am a comfortable being vulnerable enough to share yes. what I'm going through and be like, just knowing that I'm okay. And I, I am not alone in what I'm going through. I know that everybody says it, but not a lot of people talk about it. And that's why I wanted to start the podcast to create that forum to start talking about these. Uh, I'm glad you issues we're going it helps me to hear it. And even in um, our introductory chat before we hit record, I mean, it helps me so much to know that other people have shared experiences because this is not easy. This is not a cakewalk to, for again, our age group of mothers with little kids. It, it's just, it's a tough time. It's not always going to feel like this, I don't think, but it is, this is the moment where there are a lot of things competing for our attention. What do you think about moms in particular, right? And why you wanted to focus your work on that subset. What I mean by this is, I know that before I became a mom, I was one person and I had all these hobbies and goals and values and ideas and things that I wanted to do. And then once I had that little baby, my first one, things changed. And then once I had number two, things changed a hell of a lot more. And now here I am to some extent, I say a shell of who I was before, mm-hmm. super confused on what those, on, on, on essentially identity, who I am, like what, what's important to me. And that's something that I'm working through while kind of talking through it on the show and, you know, figuring out what my values are and what's important to me with the idea of putting my dollars, spending my dollars in alignment with those values. Right. But I'd love to get your perspective on that because I think so many times women, when you, when they become moms, don't know who they are anymore. And that can really sit with you for years and it can Mm -hmm. affect how you feel about yourself, your confidence, not only your money and your, your concept of finances, but all your relationships and everything that you sort of project into the world. No, it's a good question and a relatable one once again, but I think like the first step and what I would tell you or any other mom who have to have this conversation with is just, I think we all need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves because why, why did we have a loss of identity? Well, it's because we poured ourselves into taking care of new life. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was by design supposed to take up our focus because we were in charge of keeping a small human alive and it makes sense that everything else fell to the wayside because you get you know there's so many things and there's so many things that change 
I admire any woman who's like, yeah, I had my baby, but like, I still go to my voice lessons or I still do this or I, you know, still, you know, hit my Zumba class at 6am, like slow clap. But for me, it was an all consuming, like pull into a depth (laughs) that I did not realize was there. And the further you get from who you were, the longer it takes to find her again, I feel like. Um, So I would say self, right. what I think about is that we need to be nicer to ourselves. Like, I think we beat ourselves up like, oh, I lost who I was. I don't do anything I used to like to do. And, or I used to be fun. And now I snap at my kids or I used to want to go, you know, to a museum. And now that is so overstimulating for me. And my head feels like I'm going to explode when those kids running around screaming, but like, I used to be cool and fun. How did I go, you know, to a dance club, but I can't go to this kid's museum now. Like what happened to me? I think we beat ourselves up about it. But the thing is, is like, it was, you were supposed to change into a nurturer, right? And that's okay. But I do think that, you know, the older your kids get, my kids are almost nine. I have twins and um, so mine are a little older than yours. But slowly but surely, you're like, oh, man, I can take a nap. And I think they'll be all right. You know, you can't do that with three-year-old toddlers. You don't know what they're going to do. So You can't leave the room without them, without at least expecting, you know, some wall to be colored on or, you know, chocolate milk to be spilled on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) It would be good. So even now I hear a crash. I'm like, well, I'm going to follow with a cry. So it seems all right. You know, lowering the expectations. Well, yeah, very much lowering the expectation. Yeah. That's that's my theme for this Just year. Just the theme, <laughs> the goal, put it on a banner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the other thing too is that women, I think, have such high expectations of ourselves. Yes. Even if we, we don't want to screw it up, this is the big leagues. This is not my dog, who I also started ignoring after I had kids. You know, this is this is <laughs> like human life. What what we do? Like, I'm always just because I'm so pro therapy. I'm always like. I bet they're going to talk about this day in therapy in the Same. future. You know? Same. I feel like my big thing that I struggle with is I'm screwing them up. Yeah. I There's something I said or the way I acted or the argument that I had with my husband in front yeah. of them and all these things that I'm just like, I'm screwing them up. They're going to be completely messed up. Like they're, they're going to be like me when they grow up. Yeah, I think and, uh, yeah, like they should get, I should get them in therapy early, all these things. And it's yeah. just like, you know what? They're also their own little people. And I was talking about this the other day. I mean, my six-year-old is in first grade and he came home from school with this like sheet of all these coping strategies. And he starts talking about coping strategies, like building something, taking deep breaths, um, going for a walk or like listening to music, whatever it is, all these things. And he's being taught in school. Because it has to be taught. Strategies. And we were not taught. We were not taught any of this. No. And it's and just like we were not taught about finances. Yes. If this is generational though, and that's why we need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves because this our parents' generation is not pro-mental health. Our parents' generation is not pro-talking about this stuff. Right. Lots of my friends, parents, stuff, we'll talk about like not very huggy. You know, not very right. it's a right. totally different generation. And now millennials are trying to be more aware, trying to teach our kids to, you know, care about other people, no matter what they look like, who they love, all these different things. There's all, there's vastly different messaging from what our parents had. Yeah. 
coping yeah. skills. Yeah. Who would have thought? It's incredible to me. I, before we go on, I have so many other things to talk about, but before we do that, I just want to mention, <laughs> you said this comment about, I used to be fun, right? And I say oh that- Oh my God, I don't think I- so not fun. <laughs> same, same. I bumped into a guy in my town, and but I mean, literally we used to be like old drinking yeah. buddies, like in college. And yeah. Stuff. And I- he was at a soccer field with his kids and I was at a soccer field with my like, kids. like, what happened, man? Literally, I was like, I used to be fun. Here I am now a giant mess. And yeah. but, but it's interesting because you know you're not alone in that yeah. because you see the memes and you see the the videos of the, the reels, the people putting themselves out on social media to be like, yeah, I used to go whatever, drink God knows what in the woods and I didn't care whose cup I was drinking from or whatever it was I was drinking. And then, oh, I get massive no, like- anxiety <laughs> just trying to like, you know, put my kids shoes on or get out the door or something like that to just show how we've changed. So I know we're not alone, but, it, and that's, they're making a joke out of it. And it's, and it's true and it's so relatable, but what it's not addressing is like, what we just said, what's underneath that right. what's the identity issue that's going on underneath. And how do we work through that? Like, it's great, but it also yeah. makes feeling kind of empty and unfulfilled. Like, okay, great. You're going through this too. That's but actually my biggest. Where we go now? Yeah. That is my biggest social media hang up. I can deal with people with their perfect kitchens, you know, good for you. I can deal with the you know, their kids are in matching clothes. And, you know, I'm like, that is so nice. Like everybody has, I can at least tell myself, like, everyone's good at different things. That mom is clearly very visual and very neat. And that's her jam. You know, I have different things I'm interested in. But Mm -hmm. the thing that is hardest for me in terms of comparison is seeing how how active people are with their kids, because I'm very indoorsy very introverted, very sensitive to lots of stuff going on. So like, if they were to say, mom, where do you want to take us today? I'd be like, let's go to the public library. Like that would be my top pick. You know, I'm an author, you know? Yeah. But when I see people like, we spent all day snow skiing, we went to the pumpkin patch and pick berries. I'm like, Oh, I'm really good for just one activity at a time, you know, mm-hmm. like just, yeah. you know, just the movie was good for me. That was a big outing. So that's it's my biggest struggle. Yeah. Little, I just, yeah. I do. I, and, and also with kids in tow, I mean, how is it even possible to do that and not literally lose your mind to do all these things in a weekend? And and then at the end of the weekend, you're completely exhausted. And but I have friends <laughs> who thrive on that. They, they have like so much energy. You know, one of my friends is like in the creek with them, like digging for rocks. And I'm like, you look great in there. You know, it's like, sit over here and have my coffee. Sit with your baby. <laughs> you guys go get muddy in the creek, you know, but it's like. Yeah. But you're, what you, the point of what you're saying here yeah. is that you are not alone in this. Yeah. There are so, for just as many moms who post those yeah you know, real of activities and everything that they highlights of what they did over there's the other moms that, there's yeah. plenty of moms out there that are not doing any of that because, because they don't want to, and that's yeah. totally okay. Plus the fact that, you know, there's, we don't need to share every little thing about yeah. us. And we need to be okay with just being who we are. Exactly. Like, I think that's like a self-acceptance in your thirties. It's just like, 
not even coming with an excuse. No, I don't want to go to your birthday party at that disco club because I just don't want to. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I love you. Let's go to lunch, but I don't want to go to the disco. <laughs> Sorry, a lot of that is being comfortable enough with yourself yeah. to feel okay, not disappointing somebody or not right. feeling like That's you have to please. Level. And that is a big thing for women and moms in particular. Yes. For me anyway, I think all, all of this stuff, like the pleasing others, it, like it is just since my kids have been kind of the super active, involved, engaged kid ages that they've been at, yeah. I just feel like all of that stuff that I've had, that I've had underneath the surface has come to a head for me. Yes. And I've just had to start dealing with my own stuff. Yes. And, understanding and being aware of who I am and what I like to do and what what I actually like. Yeah. And that all, again, I know your thing is money and so is my thing, but all of these concepts are so universal and they apply to money so much because if you don't know what you even like to do or who you are and you're not comfortable or confident in it, you're going to be easily get sucked into, you know, somebody invites you somewhere and you end up spending, you go to dinner and you end up spending, you know, $150 on food you didn't even like, or whatever with people you haven't even liked. So, I mean, it's all about like discovering who you are and having the comfort, the the comfort level and confidence within yourself to create boundaries and to do what feels right for you. Yeah. It's hard, but I feel like we both seem to be like on a journey of getting there at least. And it is money is everything. Uh, Money touches every aspect of our lives and you don't want to be unprepared later on because you felt like you had to do this whole list of things or else you weren't a good mom and you didn't provide a good childhood because you didn't do x y and z so like we get to define what that means for us to the best of our ability and then we have to know at the end of this well I I did my best I gave my kids these unique experiences did they have everything no did they have nothing of course of course not you know yeah a good mix we did all right sort of (laughs) we made it (laughs) I'm okay I'm okay I've lowered the bar I've expectations and I'm okay with that yeah um and I think the big thing there too is also you know having the knowledge that you're not going to be able to do all this stuff. Like you're just not going to be able to, I just don't get sometimes like the, the, the parents or the people that show that show their life on social media mm-hmm. and make it seem like they just have the means to do all these things. Cause yeah. they probably don't. Oh. Um, so God knows what their own financial situation is. But the other thing I just wanted to mention here too, with moms is that, you know, to get to that point of knowing who you are, you have to like actively shut down the world around you. And again, I said, slow your roll, but slow it down, hop off that treadmill for a little while and just give yourself a second to yourself where there's no kids around, there's no social media, there's no people around you and just breathe and just tune into who you are or maybe who you used to be and and help kind of like reconnect with yourself. Cause I don't think you can do this work otherwise. If you're trying to be somebody that you're not. No, I think it definitely takes that. And again, closing off the quick dopamine hits, it's like, if you have a moment, you're like, man, I feel bad. This feels rough. Or gosh, like I yelled so much today or I'm having all these intrusive thoughts. Why am I so exhausted? Instead of, you know, at the end of the night, 
having a glass of wine, scrolling the social media, doing the Netflix, have the hard conversation with yourself. Why was today bad? Where did that thought come from? Yeah. Is that from my, you know, is that from my mom? Is that from my childhood? Is that from this? Is it because I'm comparing myself to this friend? What is the root of it? And then, you know, but all those steps, that's a skill set to learn how to do that and kind of download your thoughts and get through them. I think of it as running towards the discomfort because mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be your only way through, right? So instead of, right, like you said, watching the Netflix, having the glass of wine, like there's nothing wrong with those things if you're mm-hmm. aware that you're doing it in my mind. Right. But if you're literally doing it as an escape because you don't want to feel your actual feelings right. and, and have those hard moments come up and like process them and work through them, then it's just doing you a disservice. I agree. It's just going to continue this cycle, right? And these patterns and that you is- stay stuck on the, on the wheel. You, you stay yeah. in, the, in the groundhog day of every day being the same. And, um, you know, when we feel bad, we want a very quick fix to feel good. But as you're finding out, I mean, we're talking about commit, committing to a year, two years, three years of a lot of self-reflection to become the person you want to be. Right. And it is a process. I say this all the time. You cannot, you cannot do this overnight. This is not a flip of a switch at all. I love, by the way, that you said Groundhog Day because it's Groundhog Day today. Oh, it is. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was more winter. Yay. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is, but I know it's just funny that you mentioned. Funny, yeah, that's true. Um, One thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is the concept of being the breadwinner. And you and I talked a little bit about this before uh, we hit record, and I think we both have our own stories and experiences with this. But I have struggled in my experiences, you know, with my husband losing his job and me kind of taking on more responsibility at work and the pressure that that feels is intense. But I think what makes it worse for me is the, is the pressure that I put on myself and the stories that come from my childhood around that. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. It's a very loaded topic. Yeah. Yeah. We could probably do a whole episode just on this. Um, well, uh, for clarity's sake, I um, I actually got divorced last year after 12 years of marriage, and I was the breadwinner. Um, my ex, um, when I met him, uh, he was working and I was working, but then uh, he applied to medical school. And so um, we were married for 12 years, but 11 of them, he was in graduate school, the medical school, then residency, then fellowship. And so he was training. Um, He's a cosmetic surgeon. And so it wouldn't have always been that way. um, But we split up right after he finished fellowship. And there was a lot of pressure um, because the nature of his career involved a lot of moving, a lot of traveling away from family and um, I was trying to be like best mom ever. So be there for my kids, be the super cool entrepreneur. And uh, the business grew and um, I was able to provide a lot of support uh, financially for him as he went through that. Um, 
I do think it is a challenge for for men. And Farnoosh Tarabi wrote a good book on this called When She Makes More. And there's a lot of research that shows um, it can create uh, problems in relationships. I think um, a lot of the time he was he was very busy and involved and just grateful to have somebody like managing the bills and doing stuff so that he could, um, you know, fulfill like really grueling training hours. Um, I felt the weight of it the most in the last year of being a single parent, which is not something I ever expected to be. And um, just being a sole breadwinner and it feels very different. Even if somebody got paid less or things were different, um, I think, you know, there were a couple months in there where he made more, but overall, during training, I was the breadwinner. Um, it is, it can be a debilitating amount of stress for sure. Um, so I can't really speak to it in terms of relationships now because I'm not, um, in one anymore, but I can relate to what you're saying about trying to balance your career, trying to move up in your career, take on more responsibilities, but you've got all this added pressure about being the best mom ever. And I know that our millennial modern dads, right? They're a lot more involved um, than previous generations, but no one's looking at them like with a giant magnifying glass. And so to add that pressure on for you of being the breadwinner, it, it affects you. I, 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 we just met today, but I know it affects you because it affected me and it's very stressful. Well, and not to mention, we talked about the uniqueness of the millennial generation, right? And we, I think, are at a place where our parents, where we're feeling a pressure, a societal pressure that our parents yes. to step up, these, ask for more, to, you to know. be these empowered females and to go out and crush it. And okay. yet at the same time, I say this story a lot because when my oldest um, who's now six and a half when he was a baby. And I was just going back to work for the first time after my maternity leave, my mother-in-law was watching him one day and made a comment to me where, you know, I was having a tough morning anyway, and was emotional. And she made a comment that it was just kind of a side thing. And it was like, yeah. Oh, well, it's too bad. You even have to go to work. Oh, yeah. I got That's in the car. <laughs> I cried my entire way to work. But all we want is for someone to say, you're crushing it today. Yeah. It's hard what you're doing today. It's probably the, one of the hardest days you've had having to go back to work after maternity leave with your first baby. Yeah. And, and I think that it's just that generation, our parents' generation didn't have that same pressure. So right. they see it as I got pregnant, I had a baby, and now my career is put aside for yeah. a period. But we're supposed to be the change makers now. Yes. So there's a, there's, there's pressure coming at us from all angles. And then that's where we kind of get back to that conversation we were having earlier about feeling like we have to please everybody. Yeah. Like, how is it possible for me to please my mother-in-law, my child, myself, my husband, all of these people and still be a lot <laughs> to still yeah. be and not step on any toes and make sure my husband knows oh like 
I know I made more, but I still respect you. Right. Right. Still the man of the house. Right. Let's still make sure that you know. You feel good. You feel good about all the things that you're doing to contribute, right? Yeah. So it is, it's a little dancing around, walking on eggshells too, right? Because try you, you don't you don't want to, there's the dynamic there. Well, that because is. The, the power dynamic exists in every relationship. And um it's hard when both people want to work move up in the world you we're trying to create systems where men and women have equal parenting responsibilities and like I said we're supposed to be the change makers we're supposed to be the ones advocating for ourselves so that there's a shift but uh, there are so many things there's that I talked about um you know all of the uh hours that we spend doing tasks that men don't typically do answering your teacher's emails. You know, I just bought all the little Valentine's things because side note, why do y'all keep making Valentine's bags? So exceptional. Now I gotta buy a clear bag to put stuff in. (laughs) I, so I, know exactly what you're talking about last year i gave just the little cards cards real cards and (laughs) you know from colin on them and he comes home like yeah like legitimate toys and treats all this stuff i give you a piece of paper like what what, what's up with that (laughs) don't put the slinkies in the bag y'all who did that (laughs) stop making me feel that pressure So yeah, instead of getting one pack of little squares, I got multiple packs of things. And now you feel like you have to get candy to go along. We can't be the only one without the clear bag. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I hear you on that one. It's, and it's, it's Valentine's day. Like it's not. Well, you don't want them to feel strange. Like they're the ones that are left out. It is. It was $20 at Aldi all in case you (laughs) But it's the purpose of it. And it's, it's. It's so little, but it's how it makes you feel, right? Exactly. And it's, it makes you feel like you're not going to be the yeah, good. It's the, good it's the mental load. And you're that's afraid like, that your kid isn't going to fit in if they don't have this, right? That's right. Load. You just said it. It's the mental load of all of the tasks that no one notices. Um, and you still have to do them even when you're the breadwinner. Yeah. Or you have to ask for help, which is very hard to do. Or okay with just or be okay with not getting the clear bags, <laughs> which is also very very hard to do. Yes. So I'm not to that level yet. So. <laughs> I agreed, and and um, that's advanced. That it is. It, I think we're touching on something that goes really deep, right? Yeah. And it's a nerve that, for me, is something that I need to kind of explore a little bit more, and. Um, I'm really glad that we brought it up because yeah. this is going to be food for thought for the listeners. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I would love to have you tell everybody how they can find you, sure. how, how you can read your book and, um, and get in contact with you. Well, well, well thank you for that. Um, the website's mom's got money. Uh, the Instagram's mom's got money and the book is mom's got money. And the one number. <laughs> yeah. And the thing I'm really excited about that I started uh, four months ago with my business partner is we have a mom's got money club. And so every month there's a live call. And um, like in December, we did contentment 
we've done habits, budgeting, goal setting. So each month has a different theme and it's this type of conversation, right? Yeah. It's um, open and vulnerable. And uh, I'm really excited to, to grow that this year. So if anyone's interested in that, they can find out more about it um, on Instagram at mom's got money. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. So such a great conversation. Again, as we said, I could talk to you for. Yeah, we got to do it again. For sure. We'll stay tuned for a part two. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank you.